0: Exploration Radio is proudly sponsored by the AIG, the Australian Institute of Geoscientists. The 2020 AIG Mentor Program is now open for registrations. Whether you are a mentee looking for some career guidance or networking opportunities, or an experienced geoscientist looking to give back to your community, now is the time to sign up. It is free for students and mentors, with a small fee for graduates and members. You need to be an AIG member, but the application process is easy and pretty straightforward. And also remember... Becoming a member of the AIG means you're also supporting things like this podcast. For more information on the mentor program or the AIG itself, visit aig.org.au. That is aig.org.au. Registrations for the mentor program close 31st March. Hi, my name is Ahmad. Hi, my name is Steve. And welcome to Exploration Radio, a podcast focusing on the past, present and the future of exploration. In episode 33, Richard Lilly joined us talking about a school that he runs called Nexus. Richard and his team realized that there was a gap in what skills graduates were taught in universities and what skills they actually needed when they were working in industry. So the Nexus school focuses on teaching undergraduate students the practical skills they will need to have a successful career in the industry. But they don't just teach them the skills that are relevant now, they also teach them the skills that may be relevant in the future. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend you check it out. In our interview with Richard, we got onto a tangent talking about how the Uncover program helped play a role in getting Nexus set up. For those of you that don't know, Uncover was a national program set up in Australia. The key theme behind the program was that it seemed more and more likely that additional mineral discoveries in Australia would be made in areas where surface exploration methods would not work, and that a whole new way of exploring for deposits in the subsurface had to be created. To be more successful at finding deposits deeper in the subsurface, we would have to develop new technologies, create new ways of working, collect new data sets, and ultimately learn new skills. The idea for Nexus came out of this last point. But although Uncover was a great initiative, it would also be fair to argue that it failed to achieve some of the big goals it set out to accomplish. Rather than it being a collective push by everyone to change the way the industry did things, it has now broken up into different factions that are all going down their own paths. In our discussion with Richard on Uncover, we talk about whether this end result is a good thing, and why did Uncover fail to achieve some of its big goals. This discussion did not fit the theme of episode 33, but it was still a great discussion with wonderful insights, so we decided to release it as this mini-episode. Hope you guys enjoy it.
1: I've changed the conversation a little bit by segueing into Uncover by talking about the challenge that we're going through in the exploration space and a move towards the covered uh, environment and the need for a transformation in science. Do we need more fundamental science? Is there a role here for the people we're talking about to play a bigger role in the scientific challenge that's ahead? That's a good question. I
2: think Really, cross-disciplinary work is is really for me the key. Like, we've studied every mineral, we've dated everything. I, I wonder how much more traditional geoscience in this space can actually help. We got to we got to gather data. We have fantastic tools. We can date pretty much any mineral you throw at people these days. You have every isotope coming out of the ground, and geophysics looking deeper with MT and everything. And it, I think really, it's about data acquisition and covering that space and crunching those big data sets. In exploration, we seem to always be looking for that silver bullet. You know, if the (laughs) zirconium-niobium ratio is one, then we will go left, you know, but it doesn't work that way. There's been some big projects done down in codes for years looking at epidotes and green minerals. It's brilliant. It's won countless awards. It's fantastic research. But I'm not sure how many deposits have been found from it yet. And that's been over nine or ten years they've been doing that. And especially as we go undercover into covered domains, when we talk about uncover, some people seem to think that we're immediately talking about 400 metres of solidified rock, whereas think of how much of Australia's got you know, 25 metres of loose sand. I don't know as we need to actually be diving straight off the deep end. I don't know that we need to be drilling 400 metre holes with a coiled tube rig when we could just get an air core rig out and get some top of basement samples. It's all about scale. And there's so much opportunity that we can take advantage of incrementally i don't know as we need a scientific revolution in that sense i think we've we've got so many appropriate tools it just really comes back to i think the people the the graduates the new geologists coming in to be aware of all these things and to actually have that toolkit of techniques available to them um, and have it help them continue to learn how to bring these technologies in
0: so let's go back a bit. You mentioned Uncover, or you guys talked about Uncover. Can you just give us a description of what is Uncover for those people that don't know?
2: Well, look, for me, um, Uncover was, um, I guess, a movement, you could say. It was, um, it was led, certainly from my experience, by people like Phil McFadden, Robbie Rowe. And it was really a, a way of just trying to start the conversation and get people aligned to the fact that we're not finding enough all bodies, and we're going to have to start looking undercover. Exploration through cover has always been challenging. Most of our bodies are obviously in exposed parts of Australia and it's really getting the conversation and starting to align particularly geological surveys, Geoscience Australia, CSIRO, universities and industry that this is a space we need to be exploring. Mm-hmm. I guess I first came across it probably in 2013 or 2014. I guess I being the sort of research champion for the, the group I was working with I went to a couple of conferences and was on the geoscience committee with Steve for a time, and really it was a very proactive movement. I think at the time, mm-hmm. unfortunately, kind of the steam kind of went from uncovered. The main output was a fantastic document, the Roadmap 2 by Robbie Rowe. It took him a couple of years to put together, really outlining where we need to be. I guess Un- Uncover was based around six themes, four of which are particularly geological. They were sort of characterising the cover, you know, what is the regolith made of? Mm-hmm. Then there was geochemical sort of dispersion patterns, you know, what is the geochemical signature of a given ore body and how would that disperse into the regolith? There was the 4D evolution of the crust, so sort of looking deeper. And what was the other one?
1: lithospheric architecture lithospheric
2: architecture and then within i mean it's a phenomenal effort to have done it but within each of those broad categories there were really dozens of identified what we need to be doing and it's amazing and and really the 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 document was put together came to a head and it was like here we have the roadmap and then everyone just went nothing really happened and then i guess in a positive way many of the aspects of uncover were picked up by i guess geoscience australia have got their big northern australia program the minex crc has picked up a whole bunch of the other stuff as well but i guess what that meant was that the government thought that well we funded the crc and GA doing that so we've done it right okay like job done yeah which really killed it and it means that the roadmap still exists as a document and i'm sure that in five years time someone will say oh we, we need to do something about this exploring undercover and then people will pick up the roadmap and say we did that Robbie did that and we've sat on it. And obviously there are plenty of researchers around the country dealing with individual topics. Individual companies are doing great things. At least there is a document there and that's kind of what
1: it ended up being. But has it played a role in agitating change as a sort of overarching philosophy?
2: From my perspective, I see... For example, the Geological Survey of South Australia, um, Steve Hill, who was the director of the survey at the time, he essentially took it on board 100%. He realigned the, um, their departments are set up around those themes. So it gave a focus and an alignment to how the state survey completed its business.
0: So they've kind of set up their functions essentially based on those kind of different themes. Absolutely. And I think, well, you have to ask them, but
2: from an external viewpoint, it seems to be... Working fairly well, I think they're doing some great work. The, the Geological Survey of South Australia, which I think, punches well above its weight um, in terms of um, the output that they have. Mm-hmm. I think it also got other surveys in Eastern Australia sort of on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly leading into the Minex CRC, which has got quite a lot of survey involvement. Um, certainly, you see that alignment there. Did it get universities aligned? I think universities will generally align with the dollar sign, and if there's a dollar sign to align to they they'll go for that pretty well I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be too negative about it they've got
0: to find funding, but um, we're going to have to edit that one out no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, but do you think you know you said the uncover program like you had all this team, you had all this movement, and then they kind of stopped. Do you think part of that was that there were too many players involved
2: uh, that's a good point. I mean I hadn't thought of it quite like that, but quite possibly like it's um individual companies or research institutions have taken what they want from it and are running with it. Well, I guess the other thing is, you know, if you're exploring in WA in completely different regolith to what you're exploring for in Cloncurry, you know, not every aspect of Uncover is going to be relevant everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact people are chipping away at it piecemeal, you know, it's not a bad thing, we're still making progress, but I think the idea was it was going to be a big change, a big shake-up of how we do things, and that hasn't happened.
1: I'm a co-author on that document, and I admit to one area of guilt... which reminds me of a a Dilbert cartoon where Dilbert's boss comes in and says you know I've given you the visionary strategy it's all the hard work is done I'm definitely guilty of laying out a philosophy and that not following up with hard yards and one of the things that you've done is something that's tangible Hmm. that's fallen out or emerged from the document. You yeah, know, I think one of the,
2: so we talked about the four of the six Uncover Aims, but one of the other ones was obviously education. And how do we get this message to early career professionals and students coming through? And I think that's probably, well, that's where much better to build things from the ground up. Like If you're standing at the top telling people what needs to be done, that's harder to actually get your message across than if you grow it organically.
0: But isn't that the concept, that from uh, small things, big things grow?
2: Absolutely. I guess one of the legacies of Uncover will be that with the Nexus course, but also with geoscientists who are coming through university now, these topics are being discussed, these topics are relevant, and you know, at least the next generation, I suppose, should be more aware of them. Not that the current generation and the aren't, but maybe the workflows m- might change. I don't see it changing too much,
0: though as an outsider looking at uncover I think it was a great strategy but I think it would have been really hard to get that many players to pull in the same direction just take something small like funding cycles, university funding cycles compared to say industry funding cycles yeah it would have been really hard to align a lot of those kind of different cogs to pull in the same way and
2: I think that one of the final parts of the, the document was actually how much is this going to cost if we do everything it was a staggeringly high number you know, certainly achievable if everyone got together, but it was a very high number. And um, I figured off the top of my head it was... Well, it's like a billion dollars. But then, you know, think of the revenue that a couple more tier ones would
1: generate. So it's... Um... We'll spend that billion dollars anyway, mm. but we'll spend it now piecemeal. And that's the confusing and perhaps disappointing part of the exercise is that we'll probably spend way more than a billion dollars in doing this work. And a lot of that work
2: won't be communicated. It's amazing how often you see research repeated. I think it's
1: inevitable now.
0: Because of the way it's been disaggregated? Yeah. This is one of the key things
1: that always motivated me was, you know, this concept around big science, which is really major change, like, say, the Manhattan Project or the Moonshot, being driven by one system and pulling together R&D funds towards one goal with the risk being that what's not within that one goal falls by the wayside, which of course was what worries a lot of people. But what it does is harness and galvanise everyone towards one major potentially challenging outcome. And that's what we were hoping to do is big science and take money from other avenues rather than spread it too thinly.
0: Yeah, I guess there's two kind of philosophies there. Some of the big projects like the space program or Manhattan Project, all of these, uh, you had one agent that kind of looked after it and everyone else came under their control, essentially. The other way is I guess you give the goal and then you let all the agents kind of figure it out along the way and they get there. So have we gone the the B model in, in Uncover? We have. We've definitely gone the B model. The question is whether we are
1: going to waste time that we don't have and money and I think the, the answer to both those is definitely yes we're going to waste time and money by going that route and one of the things that always concerns me is whether you regress too much to the mean in these big projects you end up with too weak objectives mm-hmm. there's no risk being taken so my big lesson from uncover and I think it's so well and good to stand up and, and preach strategy or at least drive strategy but without it translating to something tangible like your course I think you run the risk of where it really matters, which is the coalface, not actually transitioning. And you're totally required on motivating and changing people's minds where there isn't really a business case for them to change. I think it's too late to impact at a high level, but there is a business case to change young graduates or early career industry people. And
2: that's what you've done. I think the scale of research is actually a good point there in that a lot of the bigger projects, you know, the CRCs, the the ARC-funded, this, that or the other, they have potentially tens or hundreds of people involved. Mm -hmm. And building that trust between the company and the university, it's it's individuals, building the trust between the, the people at the company and the researcher. And it takes a long time to build that up. And I think a lot of researchers physically don't have the time or the motivation to do that. I think as well, the, the, the bigger projects, you know, when you've got to cast as thousands, much harder to manage. And opposite to that, you have the smaller projects, the honours, the master's projects, the, you know, the six-month sort of postdocy kind of projects. And they're limited in terms of what their scientific output will be. So academics aren't that bothered. Obviously, you've really got to do both. You've got to do the company's got to be involved in some larger projects and probably some smaller ones. Yeah, you know, I don't advocate for one or the other. But then in any company, you need a champion. What I've kind of realised is, you know, a lot of people I've worked with over the years just not that bothered.
0: Do you mean on the industry side?
2: Or? Yeah, on the industry side, you know, just not that bothered about the research. Finding motivated, driven geoscientists, you know, can be challenging sometimes, which is why the good ones stand out.
0: I guess part of the fundamental problem I think there is that in a lot of people's roles, there isn't a component of pushing research or developing research. You know, you're so busy doing a day job that you don't really have time to then step out.
2: Yeah, and look, that, that's fair enough. Everyone has got a lot on. I think it comes down to company culture. Mm-hmm. You see, I, well, I heard stories that WMC back in the day, every geologist would have a little project on the back burner mm-hmm. that they would put a few hours to when they could. And that I think is a great idea. So something I've been trying to do with Mount Isa is um, I call them professional development research projects. So we engage directly with the, the geologist and identify something that's within their workflow and something that geologically you know, doesn't fit the model or something they can approach. And the idea is that, you know, I go up and work with them, collect some samples, do the processing, and then they come down to Adelaide, mm-hmm. up to the button on the laser, get some data, crunch the numbers, be exposed to a different environment for a change. Mm-hmm. And while they're there, they can talk to the students about career opportunities and their story. Then they go back, present to their team, and pass that information on, and that's all got to have a champion. And likewise, on the research side, when I was working for Mount Isa Mines, you know, there were certain researchers that we engaged with at various universities who um, you, you know you'd be able to work with. But finding those people and identifying that good fit and a researcher who had the time and, and the motivation to be involved was really important uh, connection to make. But then, of course, as with anything, individuals research interests may vary and it all comes down to funding
0: really exploration radio is brought to you by steve and ahmad this episode was produced and edited by ahmad if you want to find out more about this podcast check us out on explorationradio.com or follow us on linkedin facebook or twitter and we're even on instagram and if you like this podcast and want to help out well there's two things you can do for us Give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And consider supporting us in producing more of this content. You can find the details on how to do that on our website at explorationradio.com support. Until next time, let's keep exploring.